I'm really excited about uh, this week's show. Um, we actually have on a really awesome guest. Um, we make the conceit that maybe we can sneak in a New York Times bestseller at least once a month till the end of the year. I'm hoping that's the case. We've already got... Well, we've already had one. Um, we had Tobias Bookelf in uh, in July, and was he was that in July? yeah, yeah. So that was last month. And okay. um, this month, we're uh, we're going to close out August with a New York Times bestseller in Jim Butcher, the author of the Dresden Files and the Codex Alera. And um, true to form, uh, it turns out he is indeed a magician, and that means that or, or wizard, I should say. And he's actually uh, is quite capable of screwing up electronic equipment. Either that or me, which. If we're more honest, it's more likely me screwing things up <laughs> on our end. But we had a bit of an issue um, getting a hold of him, and so he was kind enough to, to let us give him a call back. So uh, when that happened, um, the recording is going to get a little bit muffled. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, he's got some really great stuff to talk about. Um, um, he's on the show to, uh, in large part, promote uh, his appearance at this week's Gen Con, which we're excited to, um, we will at least be at <laughs> one of the days. Hopefully, um, um, most of the kind, uh, some of the kind of Epic crew will be gathered there on on sunday if we can um david's shaking his head so it'll probably just be me <laughs> there'll be there'll be a kind of epic person there kind of kind of um but yeah we're really excited to to have jim on um, we talk about the dresden files obviously um about the comics uh, about the role-playing setting um that is set in the dresden files universe and uh, we also um just kind of have some chat about about comics in general as well and I thought it was interesting. He got offered the right uh, Superman, Batman, and actually turned it down from DC because he's well experienced uh, in dealing with fanboys. Interview. It's only a twenty-minute interview. Well, now uh, because it's only a twenty-minute interview, I'm going to shut up and stop spoiling things <laughs> and let uh, the man himself uh, go ahead and give you an introduction. Hello, is this Jim? Yes, it is. And we're so happy to have you. Um, again, thank you so much for your time. Um, if anything, I think you have proved that uh, you are, in fact, a wizard because technology does not seem to work around you. Yeah, evidently. <laughs> or at least around us. Maybe one, one or the other is a wizard. We'll see. I mean, my editor is shrugging. He's like, no, there's nothing magical about you. <laughs> but, only about me, he says. But no, we're really happy to have, uh, if uh, if our uh, listeners had not guessed at this point, um, uh, a fantastic author by the name of Jim Butcher. And um, we are very excited that we're also going to have him in town here in Indy for Gen Con. And that's kind of where I wanted to pick up the conversation to begin with, is um, just to see if you could let people know where and when they can find you at Gen Con and a bit about these uh, uh, master classes that you were teaching about, uh, again, uh, writing. <laughs> well, we, we'll we'll get the general idea first, but what's what's bringing you to Gen Con? What are what are what are the panels that you're working on? Um, well, I'm doing I'm doing some writers panels. I'm doing uh, uh I'm doing uh, the kind of the Jim Butcher Show panel. Uh, I'm doing several panels uh, uh, that are I think on sort of general uh, fantasy type stuff. Um, again, these are one of those things that I, I'm not exactly a high preparation sort of guy. Uh, uh, I, I generally 
really spend most of my time when I'm not at a convention trying to, you know, write. Uh, so uh, showing up to a convention, I, I don't really have a whole lot of, of, of upfront time invested in, in getting ready for it. Is um, is Gen Con the type of event that you um, that you were familiar with, or I mean, how many uh, is this your first time, or how many times have you been to to Gen Con? I have never actually been to Gen Con before, uh, uh, which is so. This is kind of cool. It's exciting. I've, I've wanted to go for a while, uh, um, but uh, I've always uh, wound up uh, having other things scheduled uh, scheduled across it. And then last year they said, "Hey, uh, you know, do you want? Would you like to show up and, and actually be a guest?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, that'd be great." I think it's a great fitting because um, not only um, are, are you a fantasy author, but now you actually have uh, a role-playing setting that's set uh, and based on your work. Um, how, did, how did that come uh, come about? And is that something that um, you'd, you'd intended or that you would, uh, you're would you happy about having happened uh, over the, the course of uh, the series? Oh, uh, I think it's really cool. Um, it, the, way it, the way it came about was, uh, my college buddy who, who we played uh, the Birthright campaign in D&D, he was a gaming buddy, uh, Fred Hicks. Um, uh, we were good friends uh, in our college years, and he went out and started a company. At one point after the series got going, he says, I want to make a dress file of RPG. And I said, yeah, okay. And, and, and that was pretty much how it worked out. Um, from there, he realized that to do the game that he wanted to do, he was going to have to build... Uh, a company that could do it. So he actually he, he produced three other different game systems uh, as a way to grow his company to big enough to produce the Dresden Files RPG that he wanted to do. Uh, and it really, I think it came out really amazing. I spent a lot of time talking with the, the guys behind the design, not so much about the game itself as about, as about the story world. And the story world was uh, something that, I mean, they, they spent hours and hours asking questions about it and I, I, writing answers and talking to them about it on the phone. Uh, uh, and so they were able to, uh, uh, it, was, it was a little bit disconcerting, actually, because they were predicting things, that were, they were starting to put things into the book that were predictions of things that were going to happen later in the series. And I'm like, don't do that, I've still got to write that. <laughs> But I was very pleased that the story world was consistent enough that they could then draw the, the logical inference that this is what's, you know, this, if this is true, then these other things must also be true, so therefore this. And I would say, yes, you're correct, but you can't put it in the books. Uh, you can't put it in the game, because I've still got to do that in the books, and, and I'm saving that, and they're like, darn. Uh, and then I thought I was going to have to, I, when they said they were going to be writing all these comments in the, in the, the margins, that was what I thought uh, I was going to have to be all uh, Nazi-esque about, uh, <laughs> because they were, they were writing these comments in the voice of the, the various characters in the series who were putting them there. And instead, I, I, I started reading them and got out my red pen, and I started reading these comments, and I found myself just laughing, because these were people who were, uh, who were obviously so into the series that they, were, uh, that they had a really good handle on, on these characters and on how they would behave. So uh, I wound up just approving the whole thing without a single edit, and, and uh, that was, uh, you know, that was that was surprising and very pleasing. They they really, uh, at the end of the day, these guys just worked their asses off to produce this uh, this game system, and it shows in the product that they turned out. Uh, you were talking about having collaborated for the um, uh, for the role playing uh, game system. And of course, you've done that as well for for TV and comics. How difficult is it as a creator to kind of uh, or to have to to relinquish a little bit of control <laughs> when you're dealing with with a property that that um, just kind of grows into into other realms uh, beyond books? Um, it, it, it can, it, it's a weird mix of being very very difficult and not difficult at all. Um, going into comics was really the first time that I that we went into another medium. 
And uh, when we were doing graphic novels for the first one, I wrote the entire graphic novel, and, and I didn't realize that at the time that I was writing a very heavy-handed, this is what the frame will look like on a graphic novel, uh, which artists don't necessarily love. And, uh, uh, and, and you know, also I was, I was an officer writing the graphic novel, so, you know, I was running into problems like, well, you can't have the characters say all this. And I'm like, why not? And they're like, because we have to write it. And, and when we write that, there won't be any room for there to be pictures on the page. <laughs> <laughs> You're writing a novel, and, and we don't need that. And I'm like, oh, oh I, I, yeah, I guess you're probably right. You know, there were all these other people who, who wanted to be involved and to also express their creativity and so on. So that was an adjustment at first, uh, hitting that. Uh, I mean, I'm used to working as, as the writer, and, and as a writer writing a novel, you get to be a complete, you know, uh, auteur, I suppose. I mean, you get to decide on absolutely everything. And, uh, uh, you know, when, when these other people come involved, you're like, oh, they're real people too. Gosh, oh, maybe I should, you know, take them into account. And it's a little bit of a, of a bump when you first start hitting that. Uh, these days, it's not really so hard because I'm, 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 I'm getting better about just sort of giving uh, a little bit more generalized directions of this is the effect I want to create and then uh, uh, letting you know, the artist uh, decide or letting, letting uh, in, in the case of working with Mark Powers, who's actually a graphic novel artist there, a writer, uh, letting them decide how to present that. Uh, and and that is, that has turned out with results that I've been very pleased with. They, they actually don't look at it in the books and so on. So uh, uh, it's, it's it's always a challenge. Going to TV was much easier because when I went to TV, I had no contractual authority whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry to have to to ask. Yeah. Uh, uh, but um, uh, on the other hand, though, uh, the guy who was actually on the set doing you know doing the work. Uh, Robert Wolf uh, was a great guy, and, and, and uh, I sort of tracked him down as he was handed the project and said, "Hey, uh, uh, I put you know uh, two and two together from across the internet and and, and, and looked at a bunch of different things. Like you're the guy that just crafted to do the dressing files. He's like, oh my God, you're like a detective.' And I'm like, well, I'm not, but a lot of my fans are. <laughs> uh, but you know, but we were able, we were able to kind of to kind of to kind of you know nail it down, and, and so I got got talking with Robert, and it turns out that Robert is a, you know, he, he, he plays D&D and GM a lot, and, and is a Roman history buff, so we had, a, we had several things on in common that we could, you know, settle down on, and uh, I wound up being uh, on really good terms with Robert, and that that sort of uh, gave me, I think, more influence than, I, than the paperwork might otherwise suggest that I had on the, on the course of the show. Um, uh, all in all, for the show could have been a whole lot worse. Uh, I try to be a glass half full kind of guy. Uh, uh, so even though it did get canceled early, yeah, I got canceled before they could do anything really horrible to it. And um, uh, and all in all, I mean, it was a very, very good thing for me. And there were a lot of people who loved the show and who, you know, who still love the show. Uh, so I mean, it's been the whole point of what I do is, is I'm an entertainer. I'm trying to, to make things happen so that folks uh, can read and have a good time. As a result of that, a show got created that, that, that a lot of people uh, love very much and have a good time. I think that's great. And beyond that, I had another question about potential comics because of all the allusions to the the Blue Beetle. In uh, now that you've got experience uh, writing uh, in the comics medium, could you uh, see yourself uh, getting solicited or soliciting DC to to maybe uh, pick up that character or another character? Maybe pick up. Oh, uh, maybe uh, write a Blue Beetle comic? Eh? Eh? Oh, wow. 
So yeah, I was just going off the illusions in the book. Then um, just uh, just curious again in terms of, of adaptations, just uh, probably the last question in, in that vein. Um, is it something that that people are actively pursuing, or that you're pursuing for your other series, the the Codex Alera? Uh, so far, there hasn't been a, whole, been a little bit of interest in that a whole ton. Uh, if, if anything happened to the Codex Alera, I would want to see it uh, as, as an anime style cartoon. Uh, but in my dream, in my dream world, the folks who did Avatar will come to an anime-style uh, feature movies of Codex Alera. But, uh, so far, there hasn't been a whole lot of action on that front, and that's cool. Uh, you know, Alera is one of those things that I, that I wrote, uh, mostly so that I just didn't get fed up with Dresden. Uh, because, because people really love the Dresden files, but, you know, they, they read the book and they're done with it in a day or, or two or three days. Uh, um, you know, I, I'm trying to spend eight months with the guy. And... Uh, it's sort of like having a college roommate that is really, you know, is always busy and exciting and into things. And it, it's really funny to tell stories about later, but while you're in the midst of having that roommate, you just want to strangle him in his sleep. Um, so uh, I, I'm occasionally like that with, with Dresden when I'm writing, so it is a relief to go write something else uh, and kind of go, on, okay, I, I'm so sick of this guy. Let me write these other characters and <laughs> have all these different storytelling options and, and you know, they have all these other things that I can do. Uh, and then by the time I'm done with all those people, I'm like, oh, there's too much trouble. I, I want something simpler. Where's Justin? Back in the saddle, right? And then I'm, I'm, I'm happy going back to the Justin again. I think it's one reason the, the series has been able to continue as long as it has uh, without me uh, kind of losing my enthusiasm for it. Yeah, it keeps you from, from jumping the shark. Maybe like, eh, I'm really bored with, uh, he's been in Chicago for all the books. Maybe we go to Hawaii. Dresden on vacation. And there's murder. Exactly. Is that part of also what motivated you to write the the novellas? Um, the that you were able to have a different point of view character in that same universe, and is that something that we might see again? Oh, I love doing that, and yeah, we will be doing some more of those. Um, I've still got to write. I'm writing short stories this year for. We've got to do Molly's first mission of the Witcher Lady, so you get to find out a little more about what she's doing. Molly's not going to come up in the Desert Files because she's not going to tell Harry. And and let's see, I think there was one other there was one other side character I was going to do. I'm trying to bust notes here somewhere. Uh, but I'll be but I'll be doing that. And, and I love getting into the point of view of the other characters, especially because it, it sort of it, it, it sort of shows you what what an entirely different perspective on the story world they have. Uh, you know, Harry is you very much see the world of the Dresden Files. Harry is by no means a non-biased observer, and uh, uh, so. You, know, you get a very different look at the, at the, at the story world from Desmond's point of view than you do from Miles' point of view or, or, or God Marcone's point of view. Um, and so I really love getting into those other characters to explore how they see things differently uh, because of who and where they are. 
So is there, um, that's, inter- that's really exciting. I can imagine just like having a, a Skull Bob story just to find out what that uh, day at the sorority house was actually like, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Bob is I can imagine if that's one of the, I mean, that seems like that would have to be like a bartering ship or like he would just look at that and be like, nope, nope, I'm never helping you again for bringing me that book. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, obviously we're we're just really grateful for to to have you on the show, and um, uh, it's just kind of a conceit of ours. We're like we're hoping to pack in a New York Times bestseller uh, before the uh, every month of uh, the rest of the year. Yeah, it's possible, <laughs> helping us in the in that goal. But but yeah, I mean, we're we're just really grateful to to have you coming to Gen Con and to have you on the show. And I just wanted to to give a throw to to you um, to see if there there's anything else out there that you want to promote um, beyond. Um, the books or, or future appearances, um, just what should we be on on the lookout for from you, other than um, what you've already alluded to? Oh, I'm a terrible promoter. <laughs> uh, I really am so bad at it. All I do is sit at a keyboard in a dark room and write. I mean, that's exactly what I do. Um, uh, I will be having my new series will be coming out. It's a steampunk date series called The Cinder Spires. Uh, the first book is called The Aeronauts Windless, uh, and that's how you can tell it's steampunk because it has words like aeronaut and windless. Um, but uh, uh, that will be, I'm finishing that up uh, uh, over the summer here, and that will be coming up probably sometime next year. That's going to be up to the publisher of, of, of when they publish that one. Uh, and then as soon as I wrap that up, I'll get back to work on the next Resident Files book, uh, which is called Sea Talks. Um, all the, uh, the, supernatural, the various supernatural powers are, are getting together for a summit in Chicago to uh, sort of discuss how they're going to Oh, yeah, well, you, you, you've just given us so many spoilers, though. <laughs> that would be, I mean, that would be enough of a curveball that I think readers would still be surprised. <laughs> oh, no, again... Is there, there anything about the, or that kind of made you want to go in a, a steampunk uh, setting? Is it a contemporary steampunk, or is it uh, actually like a historical novel? I mean, where... It, where it... It's, uh, it's, it's, it's basically put on its own world. Uh, this is another one of those books that I think is actually science fiction uh, uh, by most technical definitions, but everybody's going to read it and go like, oh, it's steampunk or uh, steam opera. Uh, it's sort of uh, a horn blower.
<laughs> I think that's that's always uh, the the problem when you you have a, a good character is like that's gonna be all the merchandise. I can tell what the Kev is gonna be already. Yeah, exactly. It's gonna be all about the captain. <laughs> the captain of the world are, are, are intelligent. Uh, they can understand. Uh, uh, you know, they can understand uh, human speech except for when it's not convenient to understand it. Uh, and uh, uh, but you, you kind of have to take them seriously as part of society because they have opposable thumbs. Uh, so, oh, God. Oh, that is that sounds awesome. Uh, although if, if my cat had opposable thumbs and matches, my house would already be burned down. There's no question. Well, again, we're we're looking forward to to hopefully uh, getting the chance to to meet uh, as you're here in Indy, and uh, I really hope you guys enjoyed that. I mean, again, I cannot recommend the books enough. Um, I think it's awesome to have uh, a series set in the Midwest that actually kind of lives up to um, the idea of urban fantasy and that it's um, got real-life settings that you can actually visit and kind of adds that mythic quality to them. And I love visiting Chicago, so that's that's kind of our... It's not just the second city in our hearts, but uh, but love that, love that place. So, again, hope you guys really enjoyed the interview. Um, we'll have a lot more kind of epic content to to come, and uh, including uh, I'm happy to announce uh, uh, why we have been uh, a little bit busy, or why you may not have seen an episode earlier this week, is because we just made a 48 hour film fest film, and we won an award. Dave, you weren't involved. I was involved, kind of. You put my name in the end. Did I? Yeah, you did. As what? I get the audio person kind of helper. Oh, yeah, because you, you donated some yeah. equipment that wasn't I yours. was there for moral support when using other people's stuff. It qualifies. I hope we picked you up on there. It's always weird when, when we're having a back and forth if we don't actually hear each other. But no, I mean, we're really, I'm excited about that. But that's why we didn't have an episode earlier this week. Um, David is actually editing a version that will be up on YouTube fairly shortly. That's going to be an extended cut and uh, is going to include um, some additional um, effects as a result. So really worth your time to check it out. Um, you can find all of our YouTube content at um, David West on uh, YouTube, uh, not to be confused with the NBA star. Um, but if you look for David West kind of epic films, you will find um, all of our interviews from, from past C2E2s. Chicken wing uh, and, ice cream. And I've also been told that there's chicken wing ice cream. This is an important thing to talk about in the podcast. Where can I? Where the heck can you pick that up? I don't know. I kind of want to try it. So that is that is absolutely going to be con fuel this weekend if I can find some of that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we just wanted to get those uh, that announcement out of the way. Beyond that, um, I don't know too much. Um, is there anything else, David, that's coming down the pipeline from from kind of epic? Yeah, I've got two episodes in the can that I just need to load. <laughs> We've got two episodes in the can, so we promised the the hiatus was a very brief one, and you're gonna be. Week. It was a week. So, a week who even noticed? Yeah, right? No one. Five of our fans noticed. No, I had an episode ready for next week, and then stupid fucking garage band won't let you 
export an episode longer than an hour and a half anymore. iTunes people, GarageBand people, if you're listening, you are terrible. Like, I had to cut 10 minutes of it just to get it to export properly. When, when you call something an upgrade, it should actually upgrade your equipment. Right? Rather than make it more difficult to use and less intuitive in every way possible. Oh, like the newest version of GarageBand? Yeah, the newest version of GarageBand that we've been using to record. Um, it automatically adds reverb, <laughs> essentially, to every time you start off as a preset. And it's taking, like, at least, I would say, twice as long for you to edit because you got to learn all the new systems. It's stupid. It's stupid. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's uh, that's how things are going on, on this end. Granted, I guess that's our fault for using GarageBand. Yeah. <laughs> we just submitted that to everybody. We have just submitted that to everybody. I think some people will just be clap, doing a slow clap, any audio files out there, just, like, just for you suffering through that, having done that for, right. for how many episodes now? Is it what? 120. 120. Ish. 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 But if this airs this week, it'll probably be not. Maybe with those two, it'll be 120. We'll see. It's around there. I it's think around like there. 117 or some shit. Yeah. We'll have a not special special by 150, I'm sure. Right? Yeah, so that's coming down the pipeline. <laughs> anyway, yeah, again, we just wanted to say thank you for tuning in. As always, you can find me at Gabriel Canada on Twitter. You can find David at David West underscore KOES for Kind of Epic Show. You can find Why Kind of Epic Show at uh, KOES uh, or Kind of Epic Show. And you can find us on Facebook at Kind of Epic Films or Kind of Epic Show, uh, doing a search for either. Gabe, why don't you add Kind of Epic Show to your Twitter? Uh, it's just, I mean, there's a character limit. No, there's not. Yeah, there's a character limit. Really? I tried to use. Um, I actually tried to do something like that once. Um, I also tried to do it for my uh, my anime club, and they cut me off. Uh, so it's indie under G instead uh... of the full thing that I had. But yeah, that is our social media details, and uh, I'm gonna have David press the space bar. Hey listeners, this is Micus, creator of the kind of epic theme song, Zombie Kids. If you're interested in finding out more about my music, you can check me out at micusmusic.com. Also, I am on iTunes, Facebook, and SoundCloud. You can look me up as Micus Music, and that's M-I-K-U-S, and you know the rest. Alright, peace out everyone. Keep listening.